what's up dude what's up what's up bro how's it going good man good to see you yeah bro same yeah man crazy times we're going through it's yeah it's really how was your quarantine day bro how was it good man it's just um, it is at some level kind of productive mm-hmm. which is i've been inside for maybe 2 weeks now mm-hmm. i'm just like getting stuff done but then at the same time every once in a while it's just like what is really going on right like every single day like the news cycle or the stuff around it is so like consistent every day mm-hmm. the global event going on which everybody is now a part of yeah. it's really odd man i don't know i don't know how to i don't know how to put it in words <laughs> i think i mean it, it, all of this that's happening right now it just keeps reminding me i mean it's a really cliched reference but i mean obviously of this whole mass surveillance um, kind of situation of mm-hmm. big brother but obviously it's not gone to that extent but you can already see like okay modi tells you to clap you clap kind of thing you know <laughs> so yeah. we're already following this figure and yeah i don't know and i i really feel like i was telling you the other time um, that this whole clapping thing is this whole people coming together you're just trying to increase morale somehow and yeah. do something yeah. for sure man 100% I uh, have you seen this uh, documentary on YouTube called Cities on Speed? No. I think you told me about this one so. Yeah. But this this the one about Bogota. Yeah, I think yeah. really what Modi is doing now reminds me of that the most. Like this guy is using these uncanny weird tactics like we come out and clap. It doesn't seem that harmful, you know. Mm. But then it has a lot of impact on some. Yeah. I feel like people in the US are actually freaking out a little bit more. Um mm. and you know, I can sort of see that from US culture where it is where most conspiracy theories come from right most conspiracy theories are related to the us somehow aliens only land in the us bro <laughs> they only yeah. land in the us and yeah, yeah. they have this prepper prepper culture as well where they're always prepping for something whether it's like the idea of a zombie apocalypse oh okay or, yes or you know yeah. even how when there are hurricanes a lot of stuff yeah. goes out this looting or the movie the purge for example all of it is from american culture somehow for sure for sure so a lot of them are actually saying this is this is a new world order right okay. but you're okay. now you've now come up with a reason and you have a very solid reason to keep people inside mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like damn like we need of course we fucking need guns yeah <laughs> yeah i get it i get it we need it to protect ourselves we need it for this that there are all these alternatives or like these yeah. what you call it. situations where you do need it now just started by the people yeah i don't know i have did you ever play runescape no there was this uh, in runescape when you were walking around and stuff there's this doomsday tunnel you can go mm. talk to him and he keeps telling you when the game will end or like the days will end or whatever but i guess yeah <laughs> you know, i wonder where these doomsday tellers are now like how prevalent are they now yeah how i wonder if you could become a Doomsday influencer on <laughs> social media. Just start posting stuff, and people start following you. Dude, I'm sh- pretty sure there is. Like in the Telegram group today, for example, mm-hmm. um, I saw this thing was uh, there's this one dude. I forgot what his name is, but uh, he's basically a big conspiracy theorist. Right? Okay. I think his name is David Icky, I C K. So okay. my first instinct was to go look up if he's talked on Joe Rogan, right? Okay. Because it feels like that sort of similar audience. Okay. And this guy. he's been talking about it for years like he's been okay. talking about conspiracy theories for years okay and now his twitter is going wild he's like oh my god i told you so conspiracy theorists are having a field day right now yes yes they're just like yes. we've been talking about this shit for a while 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel like it's because at some level people are looking for some sort of meaning. And these guys are like, wait, let me fill in the gaps there. Yeah. I get it, bro. I get this. And even when you told me about the um, what do you call it? The those people, the three AM thing. Uh, the randonauts. The, the randonauts. Yeah, yeah. I never knew that was a Rick and Morty thing as well. Like until I saw that episode. It, yeah. it, I mean, when <laughs> you told me before, made more sense than that. I mm. mean, seriously. And I still haven't found that Twitter account, but I do want to try and become a randonaut at some yeah. <laughs> some point. Just go and yeah, do man. this stuff. It's interesting, dude. So for people who don't know, randonauting is it's like this sort of community. Um, it's very difficult to describe it as well because it's a community that, at some level, is trying to break the simulation by doing a lot of randomized events. Um, that's the end goal. But they do these things where they do this through a bot that is sort of randomized uh, and gets and it tells you to do certain things on certain peak days, do it together and stuff. And people who do this always end up finding clues when they end up walking out to this particular location. So like there's this when when there's one case and the randonaut account keeps retweeting these experiences, right? So they keep sharing these experiences where um, like for example, there's one guy who ended up finding this sort of locked okay, warehouse. The worst today, I don't know. I, something's up. Something's up. I have no clue. It could have been the 5 p.m. thing, dude. Yeah, it could have been all these vibrations causing this internet to just go. No, but WhatsApp actually did get a little slower after 5 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but really, did you go out and clap? Dude, it actually started. There was a lot of stuff around me. You, you tell me how it, it was at your end. Like, what, what happened? Um, dude, so at five o'clock, we were just I, I, we were working outside, and then um, we decided by around four fifty-eight to just go clap. <laughs> we're like, oh, it's time, it's time. Like everybody, it was hysterical. Just started clapping, and then when we just silenced, you could hear the these distant utensils just going. And just started growing and growing, and it was crazy, really. Mm-hmm. But this was what this is what mostly was happening. The mostly utensils, but I didn't see anybody. Uh, we didn't see anybody outside. Mm. Yeah, there were. I don't know. Do you clapping. Yeah, there were a lot of people clapping, dude. People. In fact, it was like clapping utensils, and then there were people who were playing the sound of utensils over speakers. Yeah. <laughs> What? So this was it was pretty intense, dude. <laughs> what? There was this one WhatsApp MP3 that was circulating uh, in oh, the no. society groups and shit, and so everybody was actually playing that on loop. A WhatsApp forward, a WhatsApp utensil noise forward. Wow! <laughs> you make soundboards for this, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The janta curfew sound. <laughs> you can just have all these different stuff on. So, what is the what's the plan right now? Like, what's the scene with uh, um, Abnax too? Really, tell <laughs> me. Like, what what is the so the, the idea is scene? at this point? Um, I need I need to talk about something that's other than design. Um, mm-hmm. And there's like a few people that I want to actually talk to, just like. Just get their opinions about what the fuck is going on right now, but not from a coronavirus perspective. It's just that literally the last two episodes I recorded, right? While starting it, we were like, okay, yeah. we're not going to talk about coronavirus. 
we're not going to talk about work oh. right and we would just get infected yeah. by the idea and we just accidentally end up talking about it <laughs> but the idea is just to have like free form long form conversations about different stuff that's that's actually cool because i feel that at some point it does get saturated to just talk about one topic when you are a person who's like experiencing different things on on a daily basis almost yeah. i mean it's hard to just keep your head in design all day i mean you need some kind of movement around other places this yeah. was also uh, this is also a crazy um, argument i had with another uh, college peer of mine i think she was she was doing something for adhd and then there was this whole argument how about how adhd is not real and all mm. but in general i feel as a practicing like artist or designer you need to kind of connect all these things from everywhere and to make something i mean i don't know if you heard of this it's an idea called conceptual blending okay. um it's in this book called creative thinking mm-hmm. uh it's really cool this guy says that your ideas are like ice cubes and mm-hmm. you essentially take multiple ideas or two cubes and you put it into a glass and you essentially are just mixing the glass using all these different techniques that he gives you in the book mm-hmm. and that's how you kind of meld these ideas together mm-hmm. that's pretty yeah. cool yeah so do tell me about uh, so you took a trip recently right you were tra- yes. doing a bit of a travel tell me yes. how that was indeed 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 so um that was a really crazy man. um what i mostly tried to do was uh, figure out my so right now i'm working on this project about somesthetics mm-hmm. um somesthetics is the is just being sensitive to what, i mean it's somesthetic design is one thing and somesthetics is a whole other contemporary art practice hmm. but um in somesthetics essentially you move focus towards the body and its body sensitivity and the body's image in society in general it spans just of the self mostly <laughs> and what we're doing with the project at least um in this certain course is that we are supposed to keep a somatic practice which is a kind of feeling based practice uh, i mean yoga is a so an example of a somatic practice mm-hmm. but the somatic practice i chose is balancing a stick mm-hmm. and um, just on fingertip it started off as um something to do to keep your mind still almost mm-hmm. it was something that you just do with the stick to check its balance like when you feel the weight of the object and the essential ergonomics let's just say of an object yeah. you know what to do with it in some way um so with a stick my intention was to balance it and i've seen that with a lot of people you kind of gauge the mass of the stick always mm. and this promotes you to kind of balance it. Mm. and i looked up online about this balancing stick stuff and it just came about to be these people on this site called record setter doing like balancing a stick for about like half an hour or to an hour and stuff like that yeah um it's quite cool but then i did some research and i found out that if you're balancing a stick on your fingertip it apparently is a inverted simple pendulum and some people argue that it is also a just a normal simple pendulum mm. because you're moving the point and they've done this 3d mapping of the stick as well to yeah. show how um wherever you move your finger is almost the same as the top tip of the stick mm. so the way that you learn to balance is by gauging the uncertainties that's what you base all balancing off of and they say that 
to reduce the amount of uncertainties of the fall of the stick, you apply simple harmonic motion. So that's just the back and forth kind of thing. So as humans, we apply that to almost every, I mean, I think you've heard of that, how simple harmonic motion is almost um, present in almost everyday life and yeah. everything that we do. Um, so the way you reduce the amount of uncertainties on that stick is by applying this simple harmonic motion back and forth. Mm -hmm. And that's why it relates to a simple thing. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so back to the trip that I took. Yeah. Um, while on this journey, I was basically trying to see how balancing a stick felt uh, so aesthetically, what kind of signals it was giving me as I balanced it. So you can actually follow my page on Instagram. Uh, it's called at balancing so aesthetics. Um, it's just a very small low key page. No, I'm not trying to like put it out there. It's just to document essentially what I'm doing um, in terms of balance. And mm -hmm. as you start to balance, you can feel that um, it's the same algorithm for almost every object. You know, you don't have to learn the object. The object is irrelevant almost because you are just learning to apply that balancing knowledge you know on anything. So once you start balancing a stick, I can guarantee you, you can balance anything. You would have balanced, I've been balancing guitars, chairs, and <laughs> random objects like my scooter and stuff, like the pedal scooter, not the... Mm. Yeah. Um, essentially, I was trying to build some mind maps and stuff in my room and I've done some stuff on the other side <laughs> but yeah this is essentially my journey at that time was trying to figure out how I can move past this mm -hmm. to essentially build an experience uh, which kind of enlightens or not uh, or provides a certain kind of feeling towards designers to design more so aesthetically that's the aim of this project to kind of uh, show a different process of product finding or iterating almost with the body more than anything else nice. which is really cool yeah that's that that was worth the journey I've, I've actually never heard of this field before yeah i know i know neither have i man this is the first time and it's absolutely mind mm. so aesthetic design and it some people can get confused with ergonomics but it isn't the same thing mm. because um the ergonomics you're just putting the person in um whatever space that you want and you're seeing how they act yeah. in the surrounding but um, somesthetics makes the body the locus mm. so you are looking at the body for all the inputs inwardly so yeah. mm. it sort of reminds me of those structures that you see on riverbanks where you have these balancing stones mm -hmm. like, yes, like they yes. should not be standing up but they're just like very intricately yeah. structured have you tried it? Have you tried balancing? No, man. Not, not really. Yeah. I mean, you. Uh, it's it's a crazy process, man. I mean, I have tried time and again, but it's just it takes takes a lot of patience. Haven't you seen them on Instagram? Those people do. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel it's all, a lot about repetition, also. Mm. Uh, generally, about this consistency of repeating. I don't know if you've seen this. These dudes online. Uh, I mean. Probably everyone's heard of them. These uh, the the builders, the two guys in the jungle uh, who build together all those weird pools and stuff like that. About primitive, primitive, primitive technology. Primitive yeah. technology. Yeah, 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 yeah. Crazy. Those guys. I think that's just about repetition, and I think it it, it did its way in social media. They're repeating and also skill based 
uh, skill-based work in terms of repetition. They, it made them build better uh, buildings or kind of iterate better homes, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Because now they have a water slide in one of their homes. I just saw a video. There's a water slide <laughs> in the pool, which is like, okay, uh, you've just been, been building like tree houses and underground secret stuff and now you're just like, amusement parking stuff out of the jungle you know <laughs> yeah that is pretty epic dude primitive technology mm. i was going to say like the balancing it's almost like the repetition of doing it it feels to me like um it gets to the point where you're training your brain to do like some sort of pattern matching where you're like mm-hmm. try balancing it this way based on number of times that i've tried it and now your exactly. body is getting used to that kind of pattern matching and like very subtle pattern matching that way. Exactly. Yeah. I would say this very much so. By, by trying it, I can tell you it's exactly this. It's exactly mm-hmm. this. It feels almost like you're the machine learning. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I can't do it the other way. <laughs> but yeah, the repetition really helps. Mm-hmm. And also mainly the reason I started doing this stick balancing is that if you try it yourself, which is something I wanted to do, uh, I wanted to uh, put this out on my Instagram, asking people to just balance the sticks and see what they can do with it. Um, Because there's this whole self-gamifying nature about it, is that when you start balancing, you kind of develop the challenge and you make it harder for yourself. Because once you start balancing, it becomes a little bit easier. But then you try to push yourself as a game. And there's no kind of... uh, ego involved there's no um knowledge prior knowledge involved into this the challenge is very clear it's yeah. it's very body that's why it's amazing mm. you should try it <laughs> that's what i did in one of my juries also as a defense i just took three sticks and i asked them to balance it and they they instantly knew what i was trying to say because it's a feels experience mm. there's a lot like i there's one type of balance that i like to do a lot you know how when you could you can take a rolling paper sort of uh, yeah. bend the edges and you can put in a finger and go it around like yeah yes yeah. yes yes that bro was such a one who showed this to me I, I took this to germany okay i took yeah. this to germany bro there is a guy who is an absolute legend now at this um paper thing like he is dude he can do this and then switch hands and then it like moves and switch and it yeah. goes and like he, it is really, it's mm. really cool. Yeah. But yeah, that thing that you showed me was amazing. It's way easier than it looks, right? Once you just sort of get into the groove, it's just like almost like your hand is a helicopter and you just have this thing going around it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I totally agree. I totally agree. I, have you ever tried it with a small paper? I was just thinking about it. I was just thinking about whether we used smaller ones or big ones. So that it's been a while. I think we we the big one. This is like an origami episode up next to hold the piece of paper like this. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try it. Yeah, let's see how that goes. Anyway, if people want to know, you first this paper, you bend it halfway, I mean, quarter, and then. The same on the other side. So you got two bends. 
then you build this top part. You just make a small square on the edge. I don't know if you guys can see this. Hmm. So around the corner, you should get a small rectangular square right here. And the same yeah. on the other side. There you go. This is what that looks like. Hmm. That's, that's small people. Okay. It was. Oh. Okay. I think I need to bend mine a little more. Give it some more aerodynamic <laughs> stability. But I definitely think it works with the big tape. Ooh. Did it work? Good. Hold on, hold on. I don't know which direction to hold it in, so. Ooh. Man, I still don't know how this is. It's it's too good. It's just yeah. too good to be true. It just it. I think it, I feel like it takes. Oh, time to this one spins way fast. This one spins way. That is cool. <laughs> yeah, this is super fun. This is always supreme fun. Yeah, I, I gotta try this. With this is quality. This is like the stuff that you need to do during quarantine. Yeah, <laughs> like nail, for sure. Nail skill. Really yeah. Quarantine crafts. Quarantine crafts. <laughs> so a bunch of my this rolling paper, this this hmm. small rolling paper, it got wet during this uh, journey of mine, hmm. and. I only realized it probably an hour later that it was wet when I was trying to cigarette. And then I, I felt it and it felt like this blob of skin. Almost. You know, the paper felt yeah. good in some way. I don't know. So I just, I just took it out and I threw it on this other piece of uh, the brainstorming boat that I have here. Mm -hmm. I just threw it and now when I look at it, it looks like skin almost. These patterns, these yeah, creases yeah. on the... Oh, they've stuck. It looks like skin. Mm. I was thinking in that way. I don't know if you've heard of this thing called Tixel technology. I don't know if you ever heard mm -hmm. of Tixel. What does it do? I don't know. Touch sensitive pixels. Um, it's quite old. Like I used to, I, I, I saw this when I was a kid on Na National Geography, where in some museum, there was a, there was this kind of uh, podium, a small podium, and it was a screen on the podium. And the screen is flat. But when you touch the surface, it's a collage of different kinds of surfaces, I guess. Um, when you touch the surface, you can feel the snake skin and you can feel the rock and you can feel all this on a flat screen because of these touch-sensitive pixels. Or mm. Some company in Norway that made it, I don't know if it's a hoax. or I mean, when I looked it up, I tried to, I tried to look it up and it turned out legit, but I don't know now if it that's, still exists. That's pretty crazy, yeah. I remember seeing this other technology, which was, which was the screen of a phone, and as you go to type, the screen gets bumpy, and these 
and the buttons just appear as you're about to click it. So they want to give tactile feedback to touch screens through like real buttons that raise when you when it detects a finger. I was just like, dude, how do we still not have it? It's been a couple of years. <laughs> I don't know because this really reminds me of this MIT Media Labs thing, which mm-hmm. they did with the. Um, it's the Skype conference thing where someone's talking from some somewhere else, but and the spokesman. I think they're using a leap to control mm-hmm. uh, the hand gestures, and this guy is moving it from another place, and it's control like it's controlling these spokes that are coming out and is balancing a ball. With it's pretty cool. But I haven't heard of this tactile. I mean, the, then the computer should know this predictive text kind of thing should work then really well, almost 100% yeah, efficiency. Yeah. But then at the same time, I feel like this could have been a reaction to like the BlackBerry, uh, the BlackBerry age, which is like you have like 24 actual keys on the thing. So I don't know if it was... Because mm-hmm. right now... you. Touchscreens are actually fine the way they are. Uh, but there's a good chance that this was yeah. just a few years after the iPhone. So maybe they thought that would improve the experience. But touchscreens have gotten like so much more, uh, I guess, better. Yeah. I mean, uh, have you ever used the Fold phones lately? Have you used them? No, yeah. I have not. No. Mm, I want to see what that's like. Mm-hmm. Because I really like how Motorola came back with their razor kind of thing. It was mm-hmm. it was really iconic when I had one, and yeah, um, yeah I want to see how that really works. Mm-hmm. I want to see if you can touch it while it's folding and stuff like that. I want to mess around and see what's going on. Yeah. yeah, but I don't know. What do you think? Is it is is it a cool thing that we're going towards this whole curved screen or like bendy screen thing? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's sort of like a reaction to how phones have become roughly the same, right? Mm-hmm. Like every flagship model is, it is going to be a black rectangle, right? Versus I, I, I don't think it was always the case. Mm-hmm. Like when Nokia had a phone, like each Nokia phone was like totally different. Like for example, you had the Engage yeah. game one. You had the communicator which sort of flipped open from the center. And uh, every phone was actually very unique. And now every phone is a black rectangle. So I feel like people are going to bring that back where they're like, how do we bring some variance to this? <laughs> I get it. I get it. Man, this this, I, this also reminds me of the first time that I figured out that this whole black mirror thing meant the phone screen. <laughs> um, I, it was just a hunch. It was just a hunch. When I uh, my cousin was asking me, what do you think black really means? Like, what's a black mirror? And then I... I just blurted it out just for fun. And I was like, Google it, check it. Uh, I was totally confident. It turned out to be true. The Black Mirror is the phone screen. And if you realize, like every time the episode's uh, intro comes and the crack comes in the screen um, of the intro, yeah, the intro cracks, but then there's a fade to black, which is awfully a little bit long than usual. Mm -hmm. And you can feel it. It's unnerving. It's a little unnerving to people who, I guess, (laughs) notice, but... Mm. You get to see yourself in that black mirror in that in that much mm. time, you know, which is True. I think a really cool experience. Oh, dude, I actually have noticed this. I have noticed this. It was really, yeah, I've totally yeah, noticed this. It is that. really cool. It is. You're like waiting for the episode to start. You're like, oh, well, I got no. But it, I think it's all. Did you check out that thing I showed you yesterday? The touch show. Yeah the the emergence video. Yeah, the, no, uh, the 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 kid who can do the um, 
Oh yeah. Also, by the way, during this whole um trip um that I had, the previous one that we went on, it felt way more um harder to grasp every time I was trying to, you know, uh, speak my mind at least. But this time, it felt that because I wasn't talking to many people, I was mostly in my own thoughts. Yeah. It was it was almost like a glide through. uh but i also do believe that the environment really helps like the silent environment versus you at home versus so it's really interesting to see uh where all you can do this and see what kind of reactions you can get because i feel that i have become almost this uh i've become a locus for myself now you know using mm. my body and using these different tactics to touch and like feel and see what i experience or i don't know um see what my body experience would say what i um Yeah there was this I don't know if you've heard of this uh, eye patch thing the closed eye open eye thing the left right eye uh, it's it's a style of sensory deprivation where you deprive one eye of light so in in function essentially you're just reducing the amount of input to that brain not function completely or you're not you're not stopping the function completely but essentially what can happen after a point is that you view the world in a structured way which is uh, i'm guessing your left or left side and then uh, you view the brain uh, you view the world in a way, way more like loose way i don't know in on the right side and i've spoken to someone who's done this yeah for a very extended period of time yeah, yeah. and dude he he went to a lock keyhole um and he had one eye closed and he could see what it was he could see that it's a lock and he could open it but then when he switched to the other eye he couldn't recognize what it was he was like how do i what yeah he did it to that extent yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah one eye couldn't even tell what the lock was. damn <laughs> yeah i mean i it's it's really hard to grasp and i don't know how much how much of it is true until i try it but mm. um yeah it's really cool that's crazy it's really cool <laughs> dude that really makes you think yeah. what what sailors go through right when mm-hmm. when say what sailors go through when they have an eye patch because they're sort of perceiving the world only from one eye oh okay yeah right. i was just imagining another sailor bro i was just imagining no, I mean, a pirate a sailor not a sailor pirate okay, okay. <laughs> yeah okay. Yeah. and with why did yeah, i feel like <laughs> i feel like your environment is so dynamic which is you're on this boat or whatever which is just moving nothing around you stays the same and you're sort of mm-hmm. responding to the sea and you're just on it and I'm, and i mm-hmm. don't know how that plays out when you have when you're viewing the world with one eye <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you're viewing the world with one eye and this you already have this whole instability of the ocean Yeah, that is weird for sure. Yeah, OG somatic practices, I guess. <laughs> OG sensory deprivation, guy. Yeah, yeah. Deprivation. Or, I mean, did you check out that uh, also that Easter eggs in reality video? That guy when he breaks up history like that. Um, I mean, no one I'm talking about right? that Easter eggs in reality. I'm not. That's sure. the video hmm. on YouTube. Um, super cool. Um, he just breaks up history like a game. um what a game could be like um essentially that he he talks about um civilizations like expansion packs and people having access to tools before because the devs gave them the tools and stuff like that. it's really cool he explains history like that really fun way to learn and 
that was also interesting because mm-hmm. it makes you it makes you think about um how far back do you go into all these times where these people have these drawings and what not depicting stuff and now we don't know how to even uh, assess it or kind of analyze it in some way we're taking everything at face value i believe to some mm-hmm. but yeah have you seen this uh, have you seen this cave drawing of i think it's sumerian as well as some parts of um okay so basically it's this sort of alien entity carved into rocks and it's sort of carrying this sort of handbag have you seen this okay no i haven't ever what is it what is it called okay let me uh, let me screen share right now let's see um anunnaki these things all right so they all found right. so they found a sort of repeating pattern right where a lot of these cave drawings sort of have this character that's holding this sort of handbag <laughs> right okay. and uh, we have what? no way of knowing what's inside <laughs> what's inside have you seen have you seen the channel what's inside yeah yeah <laughs> it's two two white kid two two white guys like yeah almost like that what's inside now we break break apart this one yeah so a lot of people so there are actually speculations around this where at a very base level it's something that is important to you because a lot of them have it in their right hand and right hand is typically that of holding something important like you normally keep your phone in your right pocket mm-hmm. keep accessing it a lot uh some of them but then some do hold it in their left uh some people just think it's it's a bunch of herbs to get high right like that's just them carrying their stash box uh, yeah okay <laughs> yeah wow. and then a lot of them actually think this I is their stash already just like yeah it's like i bring my own stuff <laughs> and uh oh um, byos yeah and then there's a lot of them who actually believe it's that's like a communicator device so all of these um, characters are actually gods that are being depicted and this is a communication device much like a phone which is what they used to interface with where they came from so either as a time machine or a way that they have connections like this handle for example maybe is the interface to their body where they use that to um, perform out actions But you, but you just can't know because yeah. all we have is face value yeah. about this. Yeah, I mean, it, it is even it is even extends to the hieroglyphics. We only have it as face value, and that whole Rosetta Stone thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I mean, I I guess part of it is broken. I'm, I'm, that's that's why we can't crack most of these hieroglyphics. But mm-hmm. even then, dude, I think we've. we've built more languages after that in terms of algorithms and stuff like that which are still harder to crack like these weird um, codes that are still hard to crack over yeah. there i mean I, i've only heard it really delved into it but yeah mm. um, i i have seen these random youtube videos of these codes that they've never been solved yeah 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 no um, so crazy uh, one crazy app yeah go on uh-huh. go on go on I was just saying 
One, <laughs> one crazy aspect of this is we've invented a lot of languages. A lot of them are between humans, right? We've also invented languages which are between humans and computers, right? Which is programming languages that do stuff. Yeah. So we don't know for sure whether these ancient languages that have that we're finding are all human to human languages mm-hmm. or whether they're human to computer languages. Whatever their equivalent of a computer um, was at that point. Hmm. That is an interesting thing to think about. Yeah. Because to some to some level, uh, I don't know. Have you heard uh, Have you heard of the story called Tower of Babel? I think it's from the scripture from yes. Christ thing. You have. Mm, I have. Yeah. Yeah. That the whole idea of how we all had this one unionized language, and then we we're trying to build this tower to heaven or whatever, and then. God came and broke us apart, split us all. I don't know why. Why couldn't people learn the other language then? I mean, we're doing it now. I bet they would have done it then to compute. Yeah, yeah. Linguistics are quite minor. That way, I, I I do believe most of my language is so um, predetermined because of the things that I've watched mm. as a kid. All the all the stuff from the U.S. and that culture, I I don't feel in that way almost part of this country, you know, because uh, being like this digital native and seeing everything digitally, yeah, you're already you've already ascended the geographical plane. Right? Mm. You're already accessing much more information. You don't need to be in the culture to be immersed. Mm. So that was that's always interesting for me. Yeah. I talk about a similar thing with Pokemon about how the experience of Pokemon very early on probably changed the path of my life in some way because just thinking about the sort of system of characters you know so many connections between them you know you know you're trading collectibles on an open market you're you know you're dynamically yeah. readjusting to yeah. uh market conditions in some sense and there's so much lore around it and everybody knows it in some level so like when you meet yeah, a kid yeah, yeah. in your school who plays pokemon you're like yeah, bro yeah. like you know what i'm talking about <laughs> exactly you instantly know you can like vibe on that same exact thing and this happened even even with beyblades for more than pokemon yeah. Like probably for me, the the Pokemon was um, uh, the card collecting thing. I got a lot of cards, and I even had the whole deck with mm. your flipping deck with your gallery space or whatever it is. And people would come over to even trade cards sometimes, and I would never get to trade them because these guys would scam me sometimes. So my mom would trade my fucking Pokemon cards. <laughs> <laughs> like for me so we were, she would exchange with these kids so my mom inadvertently started playing Pokemon you know like mm. crazy it's crazy yeah yeah and that was that was a type of pattern matching as well like I remember looking at the back of the Pokemon card to figure out whether this is original or fake based on the kind of cards that I'd seen before and it's a subtle type you're just trying to see okay the material feels this way the blue isn't printed correctly and you know <laughs> dude i uh, have you seen anthony padilla 
the guy from Smosh. Yes, yes. He has his own channel uh, uh, doing the doing the interview stuff. Mm. His videos. Have you seen his interview with uh, Pokemon card collectors? No, no, I don't think so. You should, you should really, you should really check it out. Mm. Uh, he he meets some really crazy Pokemon card collectors who have extremely rare cards, and all of this is based on whether the card has a drop shadow or not. Literally, yeah. whatever is showing you the HP and the if that image has a drop shadow, it's worth something, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There are a lot of stuff like that with miscut cards as well. Where there are a lot of times when if a card is not cut properly, right, and the edge is sort of like bigger or shows you the previous card in the printing, like that is becomes a rare card. Because they typically don't oh. let cards like that leave the factory. Have you seen that? I don't know. Have you seen that? Um, it's, a, it's a gif of a guy wearing glasses. It's from a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, where he's looking at all these advertisements, and if he takes them off, it's advertisements. Puts them on, it's like stuff like that. I don't know. It's yeah, a yeah. it's a gift from some movie. Really cool. Reminds me of that almost. You talking about the one that sort of blanks the advertisements, or the one that shows you like the hyper this thing? No, it blanks it out. It it, it blanks it out and said that this is an advertisement, or it says something. It says a text. Instead mm. of the advertisement when you wear the glasses. I got it. I got, it. I got what you're talking about. I'll put it I'll put it on the video right here. Yeah. <laughs> they they actually did make something yeah, yeah, similar yeah. to that. Where uh, they made these glasses. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of advertisements are on screens. Mm-hmm. And they made these polarized glasses that are polarized the other way. So it sort of cancels out what's on the screen. Oh. Damn. Damn. Yeah. So you don't see what's on that screen. All. Yeah, it looks like the like the TV that's running the ad. It looks like TV's like, off. Whoa! I would wonder how this would work because when I went, I mean, this would be great for almost every screen that you just want to block out when you're just traveling somewhere or when you're just walking through completely ridden. In a screen-ridden place, let's just say. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember every time, like let's say in the subway in Germany, there are these screens wherever you stand on the subway. Separate, separate screen, and they're all showing news or something like that. And you have to kind of look at it because sometimes they show you the time on that as well. Mm. Uh, but I think that the screen, I mean, if I wore those glasses in there, I wouldn't have to care. Everything's off. <laughs> just yeah. chilling. Yeah. And there's potentially a future where we figure out how to do this with machine learning, right? Where it's not just doing this polarizing thing, but you're actually actively seeing this as a leaf and doing something to it. Ooh, that'd be really cool. Yeah. I think mixed reality has a great space right now to kind of iterate these ideas. Yeah. But I don't know how far, I mean... Obviously, a, a, a full-on lens sitting in your eye that already has this small, tiny machine that has all this pattern-matching uh, data in it, already learned everything, knows what it can do. 
Yeah. You can start dropping the matrix right then, bro. You can just turn the world into the great day instantly. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that way a lot of our ideas have been explored in science fiction, and uh, it's sort of we're sort of materializing them through science fiction by making by making people think about that thing they once saw, and they're like, okay, let can we do it right now? Like, do we have the tech? Yeah, I think it is uh, it, very much so. Like, science fiction has this uncanny ability to portray most of these ideas pretty well personally i mean that's the only way most of us get it now um, mm. to some extent most of these large topics like let's say something like um, the whole interstellar rendering part of the the thing that they used to launch off i i'm not the wormhole or whatever yeah, yeah. is isn't it i think it's a wormhole right jump off yeah yeah um so the whole rendering for that was based off of some actual calculations and the people who rendered it wrote a paper which they mm. actually published because they got findings saying that this is what it actually does look like mm. because it's off of real data so in terms of that i would say that science fiction is almost like data visualization in some way 100% for sure yeah it's always been that and it's really cool mm. uh because otherwise i wouldn't be this into it or just into like these or having a space for all these uncanny ideas with wasn't for mm. you have space to, you have this space to think let's just say about or uh, entertain these thoughts for some time mm. sure that's fun yeah i sort of feel like in that sense black mirror has sort of been preparing people to think about scenarios where the world is not the same anymore mhm and uh, that has something to do with what we're going through right now <laughs> do do you know that uh, joji and post malone they both are doing crazy doomsday prep oh yeah yeah joji uh, oh, yeah. has been collecting seeds off of like almost every plant that's what he says almost every grain or every crop he has a seed of because mm. he says that that's going to be the next cut everything like uh, just goes to bad shit he's like seeds will be the new cut see and that's why i'm just holding up on this apparently postmoron has bought a bunker somewhere and oh. he just i mean a bunch of these i bet that movie stars bought bunkers but he's building his own one somewhere on sets yeah and this kid he they came on hthc quite why quite a while ago and that's where they said all this okay yeah interesting yeah doomsday prep mm but yeah man like um it's really uncanny also how these black mirror episodes are actually real in some way they do get this intel a bit early mostly mm. uh about all these emerging technologies uh i don't know how they do it like i don't know if they just go to these conferences and they sit and see what emerging tech stuff possibly have some insiders yeah um because that whole pizza delivery thing and then um i don't know about the memory backup thing with the 
lens. I don't know how far that's true or that small chip thing. But recently, I've been thinking about the way that they portray. Um, I don't know. Do you remember when that lady goes for the uh, her surgery and she finds herself, or she first finds us when she wakes up, she's in a clock or whatever, mm. or something like that, and she has to uh, not a clock. She's she's a, the person. She becomes your own your own personal assistant is you kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. she basically gets locked it's in like his face. Yeah, that thing. Yeah, yeah. That episode, that episode. Dude, I feel that every time, I feel both my technologies have some part of me in them, you know? Because the way I use it and the amount of data that I'm given and the way that I store things, it's a clear carbon copy. And I feel in some way, it's almost, again, it's like your data visualizing a machine, but then it's just you. It's a snapshot of you. Mm. So... It's always it. It just makes it. It makes you a little more empathetic towards the technology. Almost true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this also reminds me of something that we spoke about about how AIs can distinguish whether you rooted for them or no. Yeah. Yeah. About. about um. Mm. I forgot what it's called, bro. Like, what is it called? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's Roko's Basilisk. Roko's Basilisk. Interesting name as well. Yeah. It is pretty interesting. I think the idea of a basilisk is, um, like, I don't 100% know this, but a basilisk represents this massive entity that you somehow come across. Uh, this thing which is lives in the in the space of ideas or non non material sense uh and different basilisks are you know there are different stories around it so basilisk is some sort of entity and this this one is roko's basilisk which implies that there are more basilisks out there <laughs> yeah 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 this almost seems like that time crystal thing mm, yeah really it almost seems like that you actually looked up what a time crystal was a couple of weeks after we had that talk. Okay. And it is something interesting. So I feel like there's a good chance that I came across the topic of time crystals at some point, wasn't conscious about it while I was scrolling. Or, you know? And uh, the idea came back to me when certain things were triggered. And I'm just like, huh, what the fuck is a time crystal? Why am I remembering this right now? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Damn. Time crystals. But this uh, basilisk thing also reminds me of something else we spoke about, which was the Akashic record. Mm. And then I went and saw what, what Sadhguru said about it. I mean, that was the only video I could find of someone talking about the Akashic record. Um, generally giving a load down. But I guess the best way you could explain it is literally it's like Google. You don't, it's there within you, you need that kind of, in you. it's inherent knowledge, but you don't need access to it at all times. It's something that you just go and come off of. When you need it, it's there. When you don't need it, boom, it's gone. Yeah. 
that's interesting man because that sort of implies that google has existed before <laughs> mm. yeah 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 that all <laughs> yeah in some way yeah the civilizations have had everyone thought about it then. yeah yeah you have google you have google yeah it's like civilizations have, have had their own version of google at at whatever their yeah, yeah, of yeah. development was for sure for sure they had some version of google yeah table of knowledge do don't you think don't you think that would be mostly though uh confound to probably religious books and ephemeral knowledge or um how do i say spoken words spoken story spoken yeah. stuff mainly I think, i think for most of history stories were spoken like that's how they were passed yeah. because i think the challenge yes. was that you would even if you read write it down there was no material that could last longer than 6 to 8 months or there was nothing that could last across generations and writing the whole text down was a very painstaking process right. so most of it was actually just verbal that's crazy man yeah the the adaptation we have towards language is also something really interesting to see like that resource video the the monkey thing the mm-hmm. cognitive trade off that's also something i really wanted to try is there a way to is there a way to deprive ourselves of language is there a way we can easily forget and remember um this it was just food for thought almost mm-hmm. just to something to think about but is there a way i can forget slowly is there a way i can forget english slowly um and how would you go about that process hmm interesting I've heard, I don't know I've heard about the story so from uh I don't know which book I read but it's something about this guy unlearning and it's it just describes that it's very hard um when mm. he spends a lot of time doing it but yeah I would wonder what that's like uh to to completely forget a language that you knew yeah. and that's happened before right haven't you heard about these incidences where people have got into accidents and this 10th grade spanish class that they took has made them just speak fluent spanish hmm like yeah. speak fluent spanish it's absolutely true like also also this happened to a very uh, relative of mine where um this was ages ago so very long time ago yeah and um i was a kid and this relative got into a car accident or some kind of accident and then she completely forgot english bro and she could only speak in kannada and i've never spoken to her in kannada before and she called me she would just talk to me in kannada and i would be like i didn't get it at that time and i didn't understand i just used to make noises you know and that's also interesting because then connect thing she still had that cognitive idea of what a hmm is then a hmm is you know mm. that would also be interesting to hear because she knew what i was trying to say at that time uh, even though the body wasn't involved now i can see when i can say that the hmm is an affirmative one but then with yeah. audio that would be even more interesting to see what she was feeling but now she's all right and she can speak uh, everything is fine mm. but at that time it was really interesting to see that i mean to revisit that idea that we can or have this ability to forget yeah. maybe it's just like 
get hit pretty hard and some part just turns off i don't know i don't mm. know what's concussion could cause yeah. it yeah in that sense i feel like there are languages that we can learn that we've forgotten how to learn that are way higher level languages like uh, the idea that's represented in arrival for example you seen that movie mm-hmm. i so, haven't seen it but i've heard about it yeah so basically the idea is that this is a big spoiler alert for anybody who's <laughs> watching but no. yes, the idea is seen it, but I'm... the idea is these aliens land in different parts of the world they don't know how to talk to these aliens so they get this one linguist linguist expert that tries figuring this out and what happens is these aliens they start teaching her that language and uh, what what they're trying to figure out the us government is why are they here so they she starts learning their language and eventually um, different parts of the world are trying to communicate with this alien with different methodologies and basically the thing that hap- ends up happening is there's a there's a field there's a real field called femasiography right which is instead of speaking okay. with the idea of words femasography is writing with signs so it's phonetic but without speech okay so, so it's a language which is just visuals it's just visuals so for example as i'm telling you the sentence the sentence is going through the medium of time right yes i can only tell you this much in one second and then it's happening sort of linearly coming out of my mouth because it it sort of lives in the area of time versus a visual mm-hmm. there's a chance you can understand it all at once so it's sort of independent of the domain of time so what ends up happening is she understands the language and as she starts understanding her language she starts seeing visions of the past and the future because apparently it the language unlocks the dimension of time so she's living the past present and the future at the same time oh <laughs> yeah whoa so language can inform how you think and how you make sense of the world and learning languages there are there could be advanced form of forms of language that we haven't figured out yet that could actually change the wiring in our brain yeah man Ooh, for sure <laughs> this this happened uh, with me uh, not the rewiring but i do believe that learning these different languages does cause you to think in a different way to think think more multilingually mm. if um like you have more ways of expressing yourself also you know um you have more methods of expression you don't have to stick to this one normal type of thing yeah normal type type of language at least it's sort of like you're increasing your vocabulary for for expression hold on Has it stopped the thing we were talking about i want to add one more point to that which is mm-hmm. this idea of visual language right that can unlock different mm-hmm. ways of thinking um another mm-hmm. good example of this uh it's mm-hmm. is buddhist mandalas right you've seen the diagrams yeah. right where it's yeah. a representation yeah, yeah. of the universe and that diagram sort of encodes so much information into this one image right so maybe the way to read it is through you know you see it and you understand all of it at once but we, sure. we I, could I have lost that ability i read this 
I read this on your Twitter post as well. Even the whole cell diagram thing, right? Mm-hmm. The the cell splitting and that becoming this own type of mandala. Let's say if you structure all those patterns together of cell division, um, that's also really interesting because if you look at the process being mapped one on top of the other, then you get the idea of what it's trying to do. Yeah. Uh, then if you look at it all individually and you break up the processes, I mean you're analyzing it in some way and it's a method, but then you're doing it through your language. And if you change yeah. the language, maybe you change the the mode of um, analyze it. True. Which is why it was super interesting when you sent me the emergence video yesterday, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that video the, was actually... The way I actually stumbled upon the idea of emergence was overall, the thing that it implies, the thing you were talking about, about how you can look at it at different scales, right? Smaller scale or a bigger scale. Emergence is this idea that with complex systems, when they interact and play in different ways, emergent properties can appear that the original building blocks did not have. So for example, if you look at the cells that make up our lungs, right? Those cells don't breathe. But when they're arranged in that format, a new emergent property appears, which is breathing. Right? Uh, so, okay. so that is sort of a very interesting idea that you have this collection of See, I don't know exactly know the best way to describe it, but it's like these emergent properties appear. And uh, when I saw the video of emergence, that was actually a very good visual representation of stuff starting out in a certain coded format and then coming into this bigger thing that had its own sort of uh, patterns to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a really nice, it's a really nice video. I don't know how I stumbled upon it myself, but I was just working yesterday yeah. but uh, it's uncanny how it was so synchronous with what you were thinking about <laughs> I just sent it as just fun like oh check this out it's absolutely yeah cool. yeah. but the emergent behavior I feel uh, I haven't delved too much into it I mean this is the, the first time you probably told about or when you said it I looked at the video again and it was the first time I kind of saw it mm. I guess maybe I just haven't defined it maybe I've seen it before yeah yeah Sweet shirt, dude. Which which turn you wearing? <laughs> it's a, it's an inner sanctum tea. Inner sanctum. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm just feeling really hot because I'm in front of this like light source right here. So oh damn! Like some heat. <laughs> yeah, dude. Don't even start. Mine, mine's a tungsten light source, so. It's always hot in my room, mm. constantly. It's hot. Yeah. All day, man. I haven't even been out. It's it's honestly weird. Yeah. It's I haven't been of, out at all. It sort of feels like time is sort of expanding, right? Like, yeah. without, some way. without repetition, every single moment feels like sort of played out. It's time feels so yeah. slow right now. I agree, I agree, I agree. Oh yeah, I don't even know. Yeah, it's ten, it feels like easily way past ten for me. Or it's uh, eleven, but it it almost it feels way past eleven for me. Yeah. The whole day I don't know what that's like. It goes slow. I mean this is what this is I, to, to be fair, when I was in school and stuff like that, 
this was how time was for me it was extremely stressed uh, because it was something what it just something that didn't gel with me ever like mm. all the stuff that i did every subject that i studied i just didn't gel with so everything was so prolonged every day was just ouch and these lunch breaks and short breaks and these snack breaks whatever they just go by in a second yeah yeah it's crazy It's your brain, man. It's actually unreal. Mm. Sort of feels like summer vacations right now, dude. Yeah. And it is summer vacation for me now. I can't do anything else. Yeah. Like, And I remember yeah. summer vacation; those two months felt almost equivalent to the rest of the school year, right? <laughs> like that; those two months were like <laughs> huge amount of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like. Wow, I have two months. Yeah, oh, I'm gonna be completely on. Yeah, I, I just, I remember that time, man. I remember that. Look forward to those two months of this. Yeah, it, and it's actually really interesting because if you break out of pattern, then this is what happens in some way. Your, yeah. The the two month summer vacation is a super crazy break out of pattern. There's no, there's no. a gradual decline it's like that's the last day of school and tomorrow you don't have to wake up at the same time for two more months yeah so yeah. you don't have to do those activities so it's a whole um crazy mind game i think with you which you play and you're constantly playing that over two months and then you mm. shift back to the regime yeah yeah and then that becomes its own enclosed circuit itself like that becomes a mind memory if i could say or some kind where you you're just reminded of it all the time that you almost feel those two months coming after a point like you need it you mm. need that specific part to be free yeah so, uh, there's also the idea that um the younger you are the more differently you experience time which is let's say when you're um let's say when you're um 10 years old one year is technically 1/10th of your life but let's say when you're okay. much older when you're let's say 25 now uh, a year actually feels shorter in some sense and then when you're let's say 50 the years just go by because it's such a small part of your overall life so your perception is like constantly changing uh, i understand that i i can somehow relate this to uh, you know when you're traveling to a destination the travel is always longer than the coming back Yeah, <laughs> because it's always like you don't know what's going to happen, so there's a lot of curiosity going on with when you're young. But then I think we fall into the trap of regime, which is mm-hmm. something I've always debated with, like whether a regime needs to be looked at a regime or a structure to benefit you in some way. Mm-hmm. But then you can get caught in that structure, that and then be in an infinite loop kind of thing. Yeah, but. extremely debatable topic yeah yeah no that's that, it's a weird time that way man where a lot of structures that we just sort of took for granted are breaking down around the world as a global event mm-hmm. and i don't think like I, i don't know what else i don't think we've had anything like this in recent times it's a time when a lot of the structures that we've taken for granted are sort of being shifted the sort of being tested right now and this is happening at a global scale i don't remember anything else that sort of did something like this 
There is, I can't remember anything that's broken. Uh, like let's say so many things at once. Like it's almost hit five birds with one stone in some. Um, never seen something like that. Yeah. Uh, but it almost seems way too well planned, man. Like all of this, I'm not trying to be cons- on the conspiracy side, but uh, it does seem a little pre-planned. Mm. Certainly. Yeah, yeah. There's some some smell to it, a pre-planned smell. Mm. And the idea of emergence here is really like it's it's sort of messing with my mind because you don't know what's going to emerge out of this. You have these complex systems that are sort of now f- sort of being stress tested, and I don't know what the emergent properties out of that will be like. That's it's it's weird. Stress testing. And did you see that? Did you see that um, the fiction book that was written about this coronavirus? Yeah, the, the eyes in the darkness the, thing. The yeah, yeah. Book, yeah. I mean, I don't even know how you would. Is it just way too synchronous? Like that's what I'm thinking. Is it? Has it already already been there? Has it already been proposed? This other one, dude, that very recently came up, which is, I think, the movie Rapunzel or one of the Disney movies. Oh, Tangle, Tangle, Tangle. Tangle. Yeah. Yeah, I heard about that. in the Kingdom of Corona thing. Yeah. yeah. So I, bit, I never watched. Yeah, uh, there is some stuff embedded there that sort of. <laughs> it is coincidence at some level, but. It is true. I, I mean, it, it is a real shrugged emoticon, like this. Yeah. Even the, so there's this yeah. idea that a lot of movies, they have these messages in there such that the people who are in the know sort of see it immediately and they're like, haha, we can so openly put this out there and nobody has a clue what's going on. Okay. So, for example, yeah, okay. I'll give you one example, which is Monsters, Inc., right? Like, what was it about? They're harvesting this thing from kids. They're harvesting the dreams and the, you know, like the, they're using it as energy, which is like, it's a weird concept to put in a kid's movie, right? Yeah. So, you were saying about Monsters, Inc., the children harvesting, I mean, they're harvesting children's dreams. Yeah. Which is a weird, weird sort of idea to put in a kid's movie, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, did you see the did COVID-19 breakdown? No, I don't think so. They, this guy writes COVID-19 and then he writes numbers, like he does some numeric stuff uh, after that. Mm. And it becomes 2319 or something. The numbers come up to be 2319 or something like that. Um, and then they cut episode where there's a guy walking with a kid's sock back from scaring the kid and he still has one of the socks on him. And the guy goes crazy. He's like, it's code 2319, 2319. And then he goes, hits the button and the whole hazmat people come and shit like that. It's crazy. But oh. it's just a random. Yeah. I mean, it's super <laughs> random. I mean, he's kind of he's kind of gone for those numbers, but it's cool. I mean, I like what they're trying to do. <laughs> Cross-media storytelling. Yeah, well. yeah. Yeah. Uh, even this actually connects back to 
have you ever seen the Disney network? Uh, not Disney, I think it's, yeah, the Disney channel itself. Mm-hmm. They hide a bunch of Mickey Mouse ears in all their cartoons and all their movies. Yeah, I've seen that. They had the hidden Mickey thing. The hidden Mickey thing. It used to be a... It's crazy. No, like, um, they, they ask you whether you've seen the Mickey and all of this and it's almost like an advert thing. When they don't have any ads to roll, they'll roll that yeah. and it'll be a... It'll be like a spot, spot the difference kind of thing. Spot, oh, in this shot, can you spot the ears? And then it becomes this whole interactive kid thing for the kids. Mm. And then... There's definitely hidden messages out there in some form uh, that only a group of people know how to decipher. Uh, I, I, this is this also really interested the FBI, like most of them. They they send all these encrypted messages that all these guys have to somehow crack. But then what is that play going on? Like the serial killer, like almost making this whole language for them to decipher until his next kill. Mm. It's a different take on time itself. Like it's, I'm not saying how much time you have, until you decipher this, I'm going to like do my next skill type. And this is the location, take it. But it's it's encrypted, you know, mm. in his own style or whatever. So, it, I mean, to be to be fair, these guys are some kind of masterminds uh, to some extent. They, they're so elaborate about everything. I mean, some of them at least. Some of them who are really crazy. Yeah, they were super elaborate. Bro. And Mindhunters does a pretty decent job of showing most of the mind side of it to some extent, the psychology side. Uh, have you seen it? The show Mindhunters? No. Okay. I mean, it's it's the show where they kind of go um, into the history of how they coined the term serial killer. So I think I might have seen an episode of Mindhunters. Yeah, yeah. I think I've seen it, yeah. It, it was on TV at some point as well. I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, at some point, I did yeah, see an episode, yeah. It's pretty cool. Hmm. I always thought like this idea of encrypting and like pretty cool. The encrypting and decrypting is really cool because it reminds me almost like of some kind of secret group that you have with your friends, like secret seven kind of thing or a secret handshake. It's only known to this this much audience and it's like a shared experience almost. Which I first think language was like between just two people. Oh, we know how to communicate. On it. it's a shared experience, shared knowledge. True. I think it's only recently that we now have universal languages. I'm not sure if that was a something that was true for all of history. I think it's the idea that if you learn Esperanto, it helps you grasp other languages bit better because it's sort of like the middle ground between English and a lot of other languages. All right, man. This has been a very interesting conversation. We've explored a lot of interesting sure. stuff. Yeah. For sure. Um, let's let's do this again. Uh, once this podcast starts, I'm going to send it over. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Thanks for joining in. Thank you for the invite, bro. Thank you. Yeah, man. Um, I'm going to link your stuff. People who want to check it out, you can check out a Goji on Instagram. Peace. Thanks, man.